Hi, I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, here to let you know about a new and innovative theater major, the BA in Theater and Business Arts at the University of Providence. Get the education and experience you need as a theater artist and the business acumen to succeed in your career. Visit broadwaybullet.com and stay tuned to the end of the program for more info. Now, enjoy the show. Well, I wouldn't want it to be too perfect every night. It is live after all, live. All right, welcome to Volume 126 of Broadway Bullet. I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and we got a jam-packed episode of Volume 2 covering Nymph 2007. That's the New York Musical Theater Festival, and all the shows are from that. We've got I See London, I See France, Such Good Friends, Ostentatious, Freshly Tossed, The Cousins Grimm. We're going to hear performances, songs, the demos, a whole lot of stuff, so you can find out everything that's going on with all these new musicals. If you're interested in seeing any of them, the festival runs September 17th through October 7th, and you'll want to get tickets early if you can, you know, because a lot of these shows actually do sell out. Uh, visit nymf.org for more information on any of these shows, or you can also visit broadwaybullet.com and click on the show notes for volume 126 to get links to everywhere as well. Okay, I'm not going to waste any time because we got a lot to cover, so let's hit it. On the boards. I see London, I see France, I see someone's underpants. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not regressing to grade school, though you might have fun if you decide to regress and check out I see London, I see France, the underwear musical playing at Nymph. And we have the director Jeremy Dobrish and composer co-lyricist Jeremy Desmond, the two Jeremys, here with us today. How are you doing? We're doing well. Good. How are you? Good. So uh, why don't you introduce yourself so they can connect your uh, voices with your names? Um, uh, I'm the less attractive Jeremy. I am uh, Jeremy Desmond. I'm a, a composer and co-lyricist for Icy London, Icy France, the underwear musical. And I'm Jeremy Dobrish, the director. All right. So uh, this is about underwear, right? It has a lot of underwear in it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's about a, it's about a woman who uh, is a jilted ad exec who falls, for, falls in love, rightly or wrongly, with a, a very handsome underwear model. And, uh, but don't worry, there's, there's a lot of attractive female underwear models as well. We're equal opportunity um, <laughs> offenders, if, if, you, if you will. Um, so it's a story of, of this woman who is uh, feeling old and out of the loop and gets dumped for a, a young, attractive woman. And she sort of gets her revenge by falling for an underwear model who isn't completely wrong for her. Okay, I don't think we care about this. We're yeah, just no, wondering so, if people look good in the underwear. <laughs> Casting was a lot of fun, and we did a very good job. We, um, we actually have an underwear model playing the underwear model. So uh, he looks He's good done some underwear. runway shoots. He, he did a spread for Calvin Klein at one point. And did anybody ask if he could sing? He, uh, the truth is, exactly. Well, you know, we didn't, and then he whipped out. He, he was, you know, uh, <laughs> he had a beautiful Ch voice. Change the wording there. <laughs> we whipped out his what? He whipped out a beautiful song. No, really, I mean, we were, we were shocked. At one point, we're like, no, don't sing. But he's like, no, I sing. And he, and he acts, and, and it, you know. He actually, he, he gave a great audition. And then said to us, do you want to see my modeling portfolio? And we said, yeah, sure. And we looked at it. And, and I mean, that was, you know, from the pages of the script to the photos of his portfolio was exactly what we were looking for. So we were amazed that he was such an incredible actor and singer and 
was an underwear model. We didn't even know that when he auditioned. And the, the, lead, the lead actress, a woman named Sandy Rustin, who plays a character called Gina, um, she feels just left behind by the young, hot, attractive people in the world, and she's haunted by the we characters called the bunnies, these three bunnies who are kind of lingerie models slash video vixens who, who haunt her subconscious. Um, played um, by uh, Mandy Miller, Whitney Basher, and Juliana Ashley Hansen, who is known as Rock Chick Sandy to many. Um, <laughs> and they're really an, a, a, a hot trio, and they sound amazing together. They have some amazing harmonies, and they do some amazing things. And we can't wait to get them. We just had a couple rehearsals at this point. We can't wait to get them up on their feet. They're really funny. And they're basically the, you know, the perfect 22-year-olds who... Sandy's character, Gina, who's turning 35, you know, desperately wants to, to be like, uh, primarily because I think a lot of what the show is about is, is our culture. Our culture is so obsessed with youth and beauty and sex. And as you get older, how do you deal with that when you're no longer 22, when you're no longer that desirable youth market? What does that mean? How does our culture treat people like that? So that's the more serious side of the show. But did we mention that there's underwear? <laughs> People in their underwear? Hot, young, so gorgeous ca- underwear? So, cast you with this, did you just have to, did you, did you ask people to, you know, my intern was asking you this earlier. You, sure, did, it was your intern. <laughs> did you, do you actually ask them to strip down and show you the underwear and the, was equity like over your shoulder? No, no. Now nah, this person you can't. We, 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 we can't give away our secrets. <laughs> but you can tell, believe me, these women, these guys, you, you can tell in the audition room. They're, they're, uh, they're hot, uh, you know, not just from their bodies, but their personas. They really, they're sexy, sexy people. They're kind yeah. of our own little pussycat dolls is kind of That's right. what they are. <laughs> well, now I understand that uh, you got a song here from a demo from the show that we're going to play. Do you want to set this song Sure. Up? This is a song that Gina, our character, after um, the, the entire opening number is a big song called More Sex, where the entire world is telling her that she's she's getting old she's she's not as desirable as she used to be and the world is passing her by and this is her with the bunnies her her um her torturous uh subconscious and she is trying to talk to them and trying they're trying to convince her that what she needs to do is stop being smart stop being what she thinks is right and give in to the fact that the world is much more superficial than she ever wanted it to be all right let's take a listen Okay, Gina, we have a quiz for you. It's fill in the blanks. <laughs> Number one, smart girls don't um, ever get their way. That's right. <laughs> answer. Number two, smart girls won't ever get the prize. Good job, Gina. Smart girls don't get asked to junior prom, not even by the smart guys. Very good, Gina. See, you are a smart girl. Smart girls think they control the world. Smart girls plan every moment out. Smart girls think and plan and think some more. While they're planning, someone steals the man they're planning for. In college, I led protests. I proudly shook my fist. Clearly, I'd be better off with elbow, elbow, wrist, wrist, wrist. Elbow, elbow, wrist, wrist, wrist. Smart girls don't have excuses. They should be smart enough to know. Smart's a stupid way to go. Smart girls don't 
launch a thousand ships smart girls don't make men go to war little girls don't ask their daddies for a math professor barbie smart girls don't star in fairy tales princes don't climb their golden hair smart girls don't ride pumpkins to the ball no one asks their mirror who's the smartest of them all with all my early boyfriends i led spirit to debate clearly they'd have much preferred a giggle a giggle gosh you're great giggle giggle gosh you're great smart girls don't have excuses they should be smart enough to see there's a smarter way to be i'd rather be hot cause then i wouldn't have to think about all of this stuff she wants to be Okay, so original musical. Mm-hmm. I'm guess sensing here. I'm not, this isn't based on a book. This nope. isn't based on a film. This, so, uh, what drives you in terms of uh, getting the plot straight? And, well, this this particular show, um, my co-writer, uh, a guy named Vid Guerrero, who wrote the book. Um, this was a bunch of years ago. We were we were students at the NYU Musical Theater Writing Program, and we were looking for an idea for to do our final project on. And he came, we actually ended up working on a different project, but one of the ideas that he came up with was this, this bizarre little show set in the world of under, underwear advertising, talking about this feeling of the fact that the entire world thinks that they are much more hot than you, and that you walk through the world and just feel bombarded by these messages. And it was a bizarre thing because um, my grandfather was in the underwear business, and Vid's grandmother was, they were both in, in, in bras and girdles, my, my grandfather. And it was just this bizarre thing. And so we're like, well, some, it seemed kind of perfect for us. And then a little bit later on, we put it away. And then a couple of years later, I actually was cleaning out my apartment. And I, I don't think Jeremy even knows the story. And I found this three-page pitch for the show. And I called up Vid and I said, do you remember the, the Underwear musical? He's like, yeah. 
I don't think I have anything on it anymore. Well, I said, I found this crumpled up piece of paper that outlines the first couple scenes and has and these characters that are just amazing. And so we started working on it. And, um, and it's had it's a cool little development. And with an original musical, you never know what you have. I mean, that's, that's the trick. And I think that's kind of the joy. Um, it's, I know Alan, Alan J. Lerner in one of his books made a point to say, never, ever, ever write an original musical. It's not worth it. You know, of course, of My Fair Lady fame, which is, of course, an adaptation. And so I guess we're masochists. <laughs> and we just really want to move the form forward in whatever way we can. So it's just more fun to figure it out. Uh, and that's what's a lot of fun working with Jeremy Dobrish, who's great with new material. He's great to say, yeah, well, really? What's that moment about? And then we just talk about it and we, and we break it down. And with a musical, there's so many moving parts with the choreography and the pacing of the songs and, and um, making sure characters have time for their costume changes. It's, it's a lot going on. Um, but I just, there's nothing better than, than having, bringing new, new original characters and, make, and letting people laugh at you and laugh with you. Yeah, Jeremy Dobrish. I can't even call you Jeremy D. In this <laughs> no, it's, it's... And we have the same middle initial, too. Yeah, we do. Right? Really oh, wow, okay. <laughs> so what have your biggest challenges been and, and also your biggest excitements been taking on this piece? Well, it is, as you've both said, a, you know, a, a new musical and particularly one that is original. It's the hardest thing in theater to do, I think. Um, so every moment of it is a challenge, particularly as a director. What I really enjoy is, is the, the challenge that Jeremy was alluding to is that there are all these moving parts and they all have to work exactly right together. It's like a giant puzzle. How do the lights fit with the choreography, fit with the costumes, fit with what Sandy's doing as Gina, fit with the joke that Vid put there, and how do they all work together to create the right moment? And that's why I do come up with these questions and say, well, okay, wait a minute. What exactly is this moment? So if, if it's supposed to be funny, the costumes need to be funny, the lights need to be funny, it all needs to be funny together. And, uh, and I love putting that you know, in place. What, what, what makes it easier for me is that um, Jeremy and I have, have done a show together before. We did, uh, Jeremy wrote the book, music, and lyrics to uh, an original musical called The Girl in the Frame that we did at Goodspeed, which uh, is a brilliant show. And I learned on that show that his instincts for theater and what is going to play and, and what is the audience going to follow and how do we make this beat funny and how do we make this, you know, the exact right number of syllables that the joke lands. He's a master at that. And so it lets me relax because sometimes a writer will say to you, oh, don't worry, trust me, that's going to work. And you say, well, I, I just don't see it. I don't see how it's going to work and I, I can't trust you. And when Jeremy says, trust me, it's going to work, I just trust him. It's going to work. And then he shows me kind of how we're going to do it. I put all the pieces in place, and uh, it's a very joyful collaboration. It's a lot of fun in the room kind of making all of this come together. And uh, Jeremy Desmond, I understand you're a Cleveland Award winner as well? Yes, I just for the, pro, for the project that Jeremy just mentioned, The Girl in the Frame. I just won the Cleveland Award this year, which is for for book writing, which is pretty fantastic. Now, did you have to apply for that? Do they find you, or um, you just apply every year? It's it's an amazing <laughs> award. It's it's. How many, many years have you applied? Oh, uh, probably three or four. So it's, that tells people don't give up. Keep don't give. It. Oh, absolutely. It's especially when there's that many zeros at the end of the check. You just keep applying, but it, it's just flattering and humbling. It's amazing because. It's you just constantly you sit in your room and you say, I think this makes sense. I think this is funny. And you get shows up for three, four weeks at a time. 
And um, the girl in the frame actually is being licensed right now and being done in a bunch of places. And so it's just it's just so wonderful for something like that to say, you know what? Don't go write movies. Stick around. Stick in the theater. Keep going at it. We think you're okay at this. All right. Well, we should get the dates. Uh, I understand this starts on September 18th yep. and goes to the 29th. Yep. Uh, what theater are you playing at? The TBG Theater over on 36th between 8th and 9th. All right. And uh, people can go to the NIMF website or... Oh, something I forgot to mention. Okay. There um, are a lot of half-naked people in the show. Yes, we don't want to... No, how, I just don't how, want pe- many, how many half-naked well, there people? Well, are, there are, I would say, depending on the moment of the script, prob- uh, about uh, half of this cast is probably at any one time in various states of undress. <laughs> All right, so it's I See Lemon, <laughs> I See France, the underwear musical. And Jeremy Desmond, Jeremy Dobers, thank you so much for coming down and chatting, and I wish you guys the best of luck. Thank, thank you. you. On the boards. The early days of television ought to be ripe for musicalization, and that is exactly what Noel Katz, who wrote the book Music and Lyric and also happens to be a longtime listener of Broadway Bullet, thought. Uh, he's joining us along with director Mark Bruni. How are you guys doing? Great. Oh, great. Thanks great for having us. Want to introduce yourselves so listeners can connect the names, the voices? Sure. I'm Mark Bruni. I'm the director of Such Good Friends. I'm Noel Katz, and I wrote this crazy thing and have been listening to the Broadway Bullet since its very beginning. All right. like to hear that. It must be exciting to be in the festival after <laughs> Well, it is, because you get such a... The festival is so huge. There are so many musicals, and I've found listening to this show very helpful to get... You know, more the shows to be more than mere names in your mind. You're you're understanding something something good about every one of the shows by listening to these interviews and whatever songs get done. Okay, so getting past the mere name of such good friends, your musical. What what is the show about? Well, the show is about the difficulties of producing a live comedy show every week in the very early days of the medium, so that uh, I had this idea that one of the things that would happen to them would be a lot of, you know, bumping into boom mics and to cameras, which are, you know, the size of elephants and things like that. And the other thing that happens to this character, these characters that happen to um, many of the entertainers of the early 1950s is that they deal with uh, blacklisting and the, uh, and the uh, House on American Activities Committee, you know, search for subversives. So that sort of, th- both these pressures kind of tear apart a bit, uh, at the friendships they've had, which go back uh, many years. I think a lot of what happened with the blacklisting was that it made people examine what was most important to them. And what what our show deals with is how uh, friendship is juxtaposed against um, uh, career, is juxtaposed against uh, those things that are most important to our characters. And they have to make it, they have a dilemma. They have a dilemma whether to to go along with this blacklisting or to be able to um, to continue to have their career, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's it's very high stakes for them in that way. The the other thing about you know the the witch hunters picking a fight is that here they're picking a fight with people who aren't dangerous. They're just clowns. They're just <laughs> people who are out to make people laugh, and in a way they're 
they're more innocent than you know than the customary innocence of it's okay to uh, belong to any political party in this country. These guys are not only unpolitical, but they're really only looking for the joke in any situation. And when you see them up against uh, you know a congressional committee, it's it's the ultimate unfair fight because you know the committee is very serious and is very intent on uh, you know rooting out the Reds and making sure they have nothing to do with the entertainment industry. And these guys are merely uh, comedians. We should take a break here for a second. I understand, Noel, that you're going to play and sing yourself some of the songs from the show. Uh, would you like to? Tell us what this first one's going to be about. Well, the first one uh, goes back to where our lead character, Dottie, uh, discovers that what she wants to do most and what she does best is comedy. And she uh, she's introduced to these people who will go on to become so important in her life. Uh, yeah. And she kind of falls in love with them all and falls in love with the idea of being a comedian, which is kind of an unusual ambition for a uh, young woman to have in the 1930s. So she sings The Life of the Party. All right, you ready? Yes. Donald, you genius, I could kiss you, I could, bringing me here. How you knew I would take to this place like a kitten takes to cream. I gotta be part of this club, Donald. Then I'd no longer be a schlub, Donald. Thanks to you, I know my dream. I'm gonna be the life of the party. Picture it, me, the bell of the ball. People will smile the moment I enter. Clearing an aisle for me, stage center, mesmerized while my stories hold them in thrall. If I could be the life of the party, then you would see a girl in her prime, joking and jazz to make them as their knees all buckle. Everyone has a marvelous time. Right, even, you know, listening to you sing, I definitely feel like I'm taken to like one of those 50s parties and your voice sounds like a lot of those demos that you hear from the composers. Is your style kind of naturally like that? Did you find also the subject matter based on kind of the style or did the style follow the subject matter? You know, I'm a guy who listens to the great musical comedies, and I've always found that my favorite musicals, you know, were in the 1950s, and the chance to write a musical that's set in the 1950s combines the type of show I love and the type of music I love with, you know, a situation that calls for this kind of music. So, I mean, I've been told that I write in a traditional show tune style and, and even sing that way. <laughs> and uh, But it's right for these uh, characters. If I was writing a show set in a different time period or a contemporary show, you know, I'd write it totally differently. But uh, these songs are, they sound like 
you know, songs that might be in Guys and Dolls for a reason, because these are guys and dolls from that period, and they, they kind of have to sound that way. So, Mark, uh, what are your challenges evoking the feel of that era in the show? I think, I think a lot of it has to do with the challenges of working in this festival, which is um, it, it's wonderful that it gives musicals a chance to have a full production, and uh, but the scale of it is obviously much lower than you would have um, elsewhere in doing a, a commercial production or something. Are you bringing on those big cameras? Like and so, talking? you know, one thing that we decided is that we're, we're going to do it with, without cameras because <laughs> I, I think, first of all, they would have to be in between the audience and the action, and so I think um, we're, we're going to, we're, we have a, a very specific vocabulary for how we do the onstage numbers and how we do the so-called book songs. So uh, for the for the onstage numbers, there's we have an on-air sign to indicate that we're on, and we also have a um, a curtain that whenever anybody's in front of that curtain, we're um, we have such sort of two-dimensional scenery which uh, evokes um, the the world of this variety show, this um, this 50s variety show, and then the the, the world of the studio itself is more of a three-dimensional world, so we, we kind of juxtapose that in that way. All right, well, what's this next song you're going to play for us here? Uh, the next song is a song that actually exists in two time periods uh, because the character is remembering a romance from the 1930s that she put an end to, and then she is kind of reflecting back on what it's like to work with men that she loves and appreciates in a different way than romantic loves. The name of the song is Like Love. All right, let's hear it. This thing of ours Ain't gonna die I think it's long term But there's a wrong term that shouldn't apply Faithful support from someone who won't leave you short like love but not love not quite romance still full of joys I get affection as well as direction from my old boy Something so rare, it's gotta be worth more than 40 carats. So why not go declare it's love? Love in all its glory. Love that's discovered by few. No run-of-the-mill love story. Ours is true. Gabe and his hugs. Danny's smile. These little blessings are things that make my life worthwhile. True, we never kiss. There are things we miss. But I wouldn't trade this for the world. Romance it's not, but what I've got is just how I like 
You've also got a quite impressive cast gathered together for this show as well. Jeff Jostle did, did an incredible job of assembling a, a first-rate group of people, and I'm really excited to get started working with them next week. So who, who are some of these people? Sure. We, <laughs> Don't tease starring, <laughs> starring as uh, Dottie Francis, the star of the Dar Dottie Francis show, we have Liz Larson. Um, the, her, her two best friends, the uh, director, played by Brad Oscar, and writer, played by Jeff Talbot, also in the cast includes uh, her old mentor, Lynn Wintersteller, um, her old choreographer, uh, Dirk Lombard, uh, Shannon O'Brien, Josh James Campbell, Blake White, Laura Jordan and Michael Thomas Holmes also appear in the show. So quite an opportunity to see some great names performing in a small, intimate setting. Absolutely. So, We're at the uh, Julia Miles Theater on. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Give us the give us the location and the start and end date of the production. Sure, it's on uh, the Julia Miles Theater on the on West Fifty Fifth Street, and we start we open on uh, September twenty eighth. We have six performances that culminate on October sixth. All right, and uh, as always, check out nymph.org, or we have links available at broadwaybullet.com. And we're going to round this off with one last performance, so do you want to set this up quickly? Yeah, this is kind of a, a, a song in which the comedians teach uh, the young Dottie Francis, um, you know... Their life philosophy. Yeah, which is anything for a laugh, and they do a bunch of uh, funny visual things, and... Um, it's just me singing, you know, a song that's supposed to be sung by four people, those four being Dirk Lombard, Brad Oscar, Jeff Tablet, and Liz Larson. So I, I get a little tongue-tied and breathless doing it, but uh, they'll be fine. All right. Well, thanks so much. Stumping your tone, stifling a sneeze, biting the ostic as you fake disease, anger your boss. Anything for a laugh Slipping on oil Bumping your head Facing the dentist Playing up the dread Ugling a dame Fall down dead Anything for a laugh It isn't only impishness and knavery It's insolence and impudence and bravery Such big words Wearing a dress, splitting the seams When a mouse is present, screaming screams Larger than life, living dreams Dancing the horror from here to Bora Bora Anything for a laugh Blowing the catch, showing Durant that he's met his match. Juggling eggs while they hatch, anything for a laugh. It's not just teasing hair into some curly cues. You do a day or two a day at burlicues, burlicues. Treacherous tricks, dangerous spoofs. Run the nut house like a bunch of goofs. Faith and Begora, here's how we dance the horror. Anything for a laugh. The 
call board. Starting August 29th, previews begin for Atlantic Theatre Company's production of Lucy Thurber's play Scarcity, directed by Jackson Gay, their first show of the season. Visit www.atlantictheatre.org for more information. Starting August 30th and through September 16th, the show Off Love Conquers All, will be playing at the Soho Playhouse as part of the Fringe Encore series. We interviewed Naomi Emerson and Stephanie Layton, the stars of the show, on our New York Fringe special episode, Volume 122, so congratulations to them on the extend. For more information on the show, visit www.lvrproductions.com. Starting August 31st, previews begin for the Gerard Alessandrini's Forbidden Broadway, Rude Awakening. The brand new edition will mark Forbidden Broadway's 25th anniversary. Visit www.forbiddenbroadway.com for more information. And on Saturday, September 7th, the New York Musical Theatre Festival's show tune flavored answer to American Idol returns this September for its second season and is looking for the next Broadway star. Auditions for Broadway Idol are Saturday, September 8, 2007, from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Callbacks will be held Sunday, September 9th, from noon to 3 p.m. at the Ha Comedy Club, 163 West 46th. Prepare 16 bars of a Broadway song. Performance nights are three consecutive Fridays at Stitch Bar and Lounge. September 21st, September 28th, and October 5th, if you want to go and catch all the fun. The winner will receive a concert produced by Ars Nova and will get a chance to perform here on Broadway Bullet. Any questions regarding the contest can be emailed to broadwayidol at nymf.org. Broadway Bullet is sponsored by us. I have a recording studio here in Times Square, a nice little small space. If you're interested in recording or you know somebody who is, I don't just do musical theater, pop, rock, R&B, whole bunch of stuff, you can give me a buzz at 646-345-3433 or email me at info at broadwaybullet.com. Also, if you're looking to buy, sell, or rent an apartment in New York City, give my business partner, Dave Shapiro, a call. Tell him Broadway Bullet sent you at 646-920-3402. He's going to treat you right. On the boards. Jane Austen's popularity only seems to grow and grow and grow. And Ostentatious at the New York Musical Theatre Festival envisions a slightly different version of Jane Austen. And we have uh, actor Stephen Bell Davies and the writer composer Joe Slabay here with us today. How are you doing? Excellent. Great. I want you to introduce yourselves so that people can connect your voice with your name. And I'm Joe. I'm one of the writer and composers on the show, collaborating with four other people, actually. So <laughs> I'm representing the uh, writing team. And I'm representing, I guess, the, the acting team. Uh, there's six of us, is that right? Seven. Seven. Oh, God. I left myself out. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's, uh, there's seven of us, and um, this show is called Ostentatious, and I play the director, so it's, it's a show that has a show within a show. Yeah, we need to, I think, explain this. So w what is Ostentatious about? Ostentatious is about a community theater group uh, that are doing their own special adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. And uh, the writer-choreographer choreographer Emily envisions it as a dance drama. And uh, she convinces her boyfriend, uh, play, that Stephen plays, That's right. uh, to come in and direct it. And he's kind of her puppet, I think. Yeah, well, bit. she thinks so. And, yeah. then, and then things, uh, I get my own vision, which yeah. is very different. Isn't than the boyfriend the, uh, always the puppet? It, <laughs> it is, it is, but I <laughs> wish. <laughs> Talk, get me several. <laughs> Talk about your vision. Tell me about your. Well, uh, Emily's vision is very spicy and jazzy and uh, sort of Martha Graham-esque. And mine is a period production, just like the film, because I've never actually directed in the theater. I think you direct theater like you direct film. So that's sort of my take. Is to you direct them to, differently? Really? To do? 
<laughs> I don't. <laughs> so I, ha I have visions of fountains and lavish marble columns and, and having, having no clue that that, um, well, I guess it's, that does It's hard happen. to do in a theater, as, yeah. we, as we're discovering. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what do you think is the continuing fascination in the public with Jane Austen? I just think that she was so ahead of the curve in terms of her uh, her female characters, especially, uh, and it's really timeless. I mean, people are always going to be um, falling in love, but they're also going to be worried about making an ass of themselves and saying the wrong thing. And so much of it is this this comedy of manners, like, you know, our sh uh, should I say that, you know, what can I within the limits of our relationship, what can I say that's permissible? And and we we still have all of those rules. So and certainly in the in the world of our show, there are there are parallels in terms of um, you know there are certain taboos in in shows like the director and the choreographer probably shouldn't be sleeping together and you know if you're in a relationship and you uh, start crushing on the stage manager well that that might be a little taboo too so it it's timeless her her themes are timeless. All right, so before we go any further, why don't we take a listen to the first song from a demo you brought in? Do you want to set this up? Sure. This is um, uh, Emily and uh, Dominic have just sort of had their first little disagreement. And it's not a huge disagreement, but they, they're not sure how they want to proceed with the show. So Dominic starts. Uh, the other gimmick of the show is that anytime that people sing, that's their internal monologue. So we're, we're hearing their thoughts when they're singing. So, so um, Dominic is envisioning his show which is this period production, and then Emily is uh, envisioning her hot, sexy, jazzy version of the show. And um, at the end of the song, they realize that they're not on the same page, and hilarity ensues. So, No more old fuddy-duddy Farrington and his years of experience. I'm not encumbered by trivialities like character and text. <laughs> I know what people want. What a script. What a tale, what a thrilling opportunity To stretch our budget to epic scale And give the audience a spectacle A story of decorum, obeying rules Embedded in the piety of Austin's own society And so, it's clear the method needed here Is... A period production, what a task to undertake The most authentic ever mounted, I can see it now A lavish reconstruction of an ornamental lake Complete with actual working fountain, I can see it now We'll build an outdoor banquet with azaleas and bowers and butlers acting butlery and 15 kinds of cutlery. A myriad productions couldn't match the scope of ours. We have to do it now. I can see it now. What a shame. What a crime. What a wasted opportunity To show the theater domain that I'm A gifted writer, choreographer A story of repression and frothing sex Why bother with rehearsal for a tale so universal To make your Darcy brood And put the girls in the house in the mood Just have him do a flash dance That's the only way to enhance romance I can see it now, slick moves, turning 
see it now He lashes her up and reels her in Moves in for a kiss and breaks away with jazz hands Letting Lizzie know he's got hands, hot hands, yeah We've got to do it now I can see it What a show, what a, show. What a, chance. What a chance And I, I know just what you're thinking, honey A jazz band in the pits Different costumes every scene A breakaway pop hits And a marble mezzanine I'm sure we'll be agreed that what we need Is a period production and whatever it may take The show will be the best we've mounted I can see it now A period production with an ornamental dancing An outdoor banquet with gazebos on the shore. Elizabeth and Darcy share a kiss, and finally, our end of evening tableau. One last image to sum the whole thing up. To sum the show up is the flight of a solitary dove, a beckoning velvet glove. We have to do it now. Some new ideas, ideas I just know you're gonna, gonna love. love. What? All right, so Stephen, how important do you think is the choice of Jane Austen? Could this have been any, you know, character, you know, period author, or is Jane Austen actually integral to the the piece? Well, yeah, I think Jane Austen is integral to the piece because of the way that writers have set it up so that there's these parallels within the actual story of our play, and then you have Pride and Prejudice, which which is uh, extremely rich and something that um, probably shouldn't be staged by a community theater group, uh, spe especially one that um, is being helmed by someone who's never has no clue how to how to how to direct. Um, yeah, so I guess Jane Austen important. Yes, and and Joe, I I, I got to understand this way of how you managed to actually collaborate with what twenty five authors? Is, no, 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 <laughs> no five though. Uh, what, we all met doing a master's degree in musical theater at Goldsmiths College in London, England. And um, we, it wasn't part of the course, but we decided that we wanted to do a show, kind of write parts for ourselves and put it in a little pub theater and just have fun doing a show. Uh, aren't drama people crazy? They're crazy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we have Everybody no... Everybody else not getting drunk. You're yeah. right, let's write a show! <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and some of the show was written while we were, in fact, drunk because we, we, would meet in, we would meet in my living room and just talk about horrible theater experiences that we had had and throw out ideas. And, and so, um, yeah, we just realized that this was a very sort of rich source of material to be, to be mined. So... We wrote the show, the first version of the show, which was just a little one act, and we put it up in a pub theater in London, and I thought, you know, oh, this was just a, it was a laugh, and it was fun to do, and that was pretty much it, I thought. Uh, then it ended up getting picked up by a theater company in Philadelphia and done at the Philly Fringe, but that sort of necessitated some rewrites and turning it into an American set piece instead of a, instead of a uh, London set piece. And uh, it got a little bit longer. In fact, it got... I think it was about 90 minutes without an intermission, and that was a little too long without an intermission. So when we, after we submitted it to Nymph, we realized that we really needed to have an act break, and um, so that was more rewrite still. And I would say about half of the script now is different because our director has been working with us, um, just basically dramaturging it and saying, okay, well, where are the character arcs, and asking a bunch of really good questions about you know motivation and how the characters change. So I'd say fully half the show is completely different from the way they played it in, in Philly. And there's three new songs as well. 
But in order for us to do this, like I'm from Calgary, Alberta, so I'm up in Canada. Matt Board, the other composers in London. Um, Kate Galvin is in Philadelphia. Jane Kaplow is here in New York. And Louisa Hinchliffe is back in England as well. So for us to talk about the show and do the rewrites, we were doing a lot of uh, internet long distance. And it's something that even three or four years ago we would not have been able to do. But the first time we got on our computers, it was like being back in the back in the flat in London and sitting around drinking wine. So it was amazing. <laughs> All right, well, let's take a listen to another song from your demo here. Uh, you want to set this one up? This is um, this is Jess. She is uh, an older actress. She's been with the company a long time. She would really love to be a professional actress. Um, and I think she's starting to realize that maybe this is not the path that's going to lead to that. It's probably not even going to happen. And to top it all off, the show that she is in has just, she's watched it disintegrate in front of her in terms of the arguments an actor has walked out, uh, the, you know, the director and the choreographer are screaming at each other, uh, and everyone has just abandoned her in the midst of this show that she's just watched fall apart. So <laughs> this is her reaction to this ludicrous situation. Called the next best thing, right? The next best thing. All right. <laughs> Emily wants clogs. Clogs. Good. No, that's good. That's good. What's next? The fucking kick line of beer steins. Take a deep breath. Count to ten. One, two, three, four. Crying out loud. No. Always be committed. Never be disruptive. Dom should be committed. Never be disruptive. Always be professional, Jess. Remember, be professional. Jess How can you be professional Jess in the mess that is Amateur theatrics It's always Jess my dear Sue had a breakup Got drunk and then didn't wake up So could you help with the makeup And play the whore in act three Or else it's Jess dear Remember Diane's part? Guess what? Now it's Joanne's part So you'll be playing a man and doubling up as a tree. My God, it's frantic, it's hectic. The casts are at best eclectic and driving each other apoplectic. Why can't I put the shambles behind me? If it's beneath me, why does it remind me of chaos? Every rehearsal, more like riot dispersal. Every smile is just for show in this most aggressional, indiscretional, unprofessional profession that I know. It looks like there's no play and no way. My life is all work and no pay. And what's my reward for filling all those folding seats? A mention in the county reporter. No need to mention it's slightly shorter than the ad for the missing cat named Mr. Sweets. So I swear and I sneer and I smile insincerely and downshift a gear my already severely stalling career. And I hope that they'll call me again for next year because I need it no doubt about it where would life be without it humdrum average and meek but 
just for one week. The crowd is vocal, I'm focal. So what if it's only local? They'll recognize me on the streets. I'm like stupid Mr. Sweets. It's a slow biz, a faux biz. More often than not, it's no biz. It's not quite what Shakespeare's globe is, but one thing I know, it's the next best thing to showbiz. So on with the show. All right, so you got a Tony nominee in the show. Right? Yes, Stephanie DeBruzzo is playing sound stage manager. And who are a couple of the other cast members? Um, uh, well, we have Stephen Bell Davies playing the director. Um, we have uh, Paul Wyatt is playing Blake. We also have Lisa Archer. Who is Asher. A, oh, I'm sorry. No. Lisa, Lisa Asher <laughs> is, a, is a great cabaret she's artist. Fabulous. and She's amazing. She plays Jessica and she just sings the shit out of that song, I've got to say. Um, we have Amy Goldberger playing Lauren. George Merrick, who uh, played in High Fidelity on Broadway, is playing David. Uh, Stacey Sargent is playing Emily, and she rocks the house, man. She's amazing. All right, and this starts September 18th and goes to the 29th. It's at the Julia Miles Theater, which is on 55th. That's right. People can go to nymph.org to find out how to get tickets. So yep. it looks exciting. Uh, looks like uh, for good fans of theater and fans of Jane Austen and... Uh, you don't, you don't have to know Pride and Prejudice. Uh, it's, it's not a handicap to enjoying the show, that's for sure. No, not at all. All right, well, Joe Slebay, <laughs> Stephen Dobell Davies, thanks for joining us to talk about Ostentatious, and I wish you the best of luck. Great, thanks. thanks. Thank you. On the boards. The New York Musical Theater Festival is about more than a just straight musical theater. Uh, Wendy Say was on our program last year with her unique piece that crossed boundaries between dance and musical theater. And she's back in the festival this year with uh, co-creator Mark Lonergan. And they're here to talk about their uh, one-night event, Freshly Tossed, and a couple other things going on. How are the two of you doing? Good. Very good. So first off, I guess, tell us a little bit about what Freshly Tossed is. And this happens on October 1st only, right? Yep, two shows that night. So what is Freshly Tossed? Wow, uh, Freshly Tossed, the reason we even have that title is the word fresh is really important, is that we're trying to show what is new, upcoming, innovative, exciting in musical theater. And by doing that, we're trying to say it's more than just straight song and dance, and there are other ways to tell a story. And we were just talking this morning that some references maybe for the listeners would be shows like Moving Out or Full Moon, uh, shows that are... Or Avenue Q. Exactly. They're still musicals, but they're using different techniques to tell their story. And that's what we're interested in kind of showcasing with this night. Yeah, and the... the this, the things we're looking for is that it tells a story, that it's musical, and that right now it's comedy. We thought that was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> good start. <laughs> we like to laugh. Yeah, we like to laugh. Yeah. So um, how many different creators or choreographer, directors are involved in this night? It's a good question. Some of it is still being determined. Mm -hmm. But at the moment, both Wendy and I have pieces that we are going to show, uh, which is going to be great. I'm yep. excited about that. Definitely. Um, and we also have uh, a woman named Hillary Chaplin. She's a brilliant physical comedian. 
and w- another show that Wendy's working on, we're going to have them do a montage, which we're excited about. Wendy, tell us. It's called Die Hard the Puppet Musical. Yeah, this is a different event now for Nymph as well. Right. They're actually... Yeah, I've got a lot on my plate. Um, <laughs> they actually just finished a sold-out performance this week at the Spoon Theater, and Nymph has invited them to do a weekend show. But I also invited them to do, you know, a montage for our show. Very 80s. A mo- movie montage of Die Hard the Puppet Musical. So they're going to come in and, and do that. And um, we're also doing a piece with two fabulous choreographers, uh, Jesse Green and Tammy Stronach, and they have a piece called The Birds, which is really goofy. It's a little little um, avant-garde, shall we say, but it's charming, and they're both brilliant. So we're sort of covering all the different s- sections of theater. And yeah, absolutely. We really just want to show people that uh, there are uh, there, you can make people laugh, you can entertain them, you can have them listen to music, and you can tell them a story, but you can do it in a myriad of different ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you've definitely been keeping busy. You also just choreographed Walmartopia. Yeah, we had our first preview last night, and it's awesome. Go yeah. see it. <laughs> yeah, we got a great interview with them a couple episodes back, so check that out. Um, so, with this, you know, dance and, and stuff, uh, we talked la- a lot last year about how mm-hmm. you're one of the you know, you're one of the few people that you knew that did dance as comedy, and you said now that you're bringing a lot of comedy elements into this. So, mm-hmm. so is this something that's becoming easier for you to find? Because I remember last year you felt kind of in a void. Here. Um, yes and no. Yes and no. We you know, we're trying to find. Um, I mean, we want to definitely stick with comedy. That's been our main goal in a way. It's comedy, story, and music. Um, But it's finding people that are doing a new, innovative way than just being a clown, which is great. There's places, you know, to do that. Um, It's been kind of tough in a way. I don't know if we've kept our expectations too high, but I think that's a good thing. And part of uh, what we hope will come out of doing this night is people are going to come out of the woodwork that we don't know yet who are blending things like dance or puppetry or clowning with musical theater. Mm-hmm. Well, well, the title of this, and this sounds like kind of a, an idea for like a monthly event or something. Is that what you're kind of hoping for with this? Yeah, it's, it's like I've said, it's kind of selfish of Mark and I because we just want to place show our work. Um, but we also really like Nymph and Chris and Isaac have always been so welcoming with open arms for my work that um, we kind of sat down with them and sort of picked apart what we would love to do and what we'd love to show. And brazenly they said, okay, go. We're like, all right. Um, so ideally it'd be great to have it every year as sort of a good place, like a, a breeding ground for this kind of work. Yeah. And um, Chris came to see something that I had Wendy do, uh, which is called Move It, and it's a series that happens uh, every few months. And that series in particular is about physical theater. It just so happened that Wendy was working on this piece, Supernovas, which is part of Freshly Tossed. And anyway, Chris came and he said, oh, this is brilliant, and you guys got to work on something for us together. So we said, great. Okay. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, I've been familiar with some of Wendy's work, but Mark, what's your, what are some of the other things you've done? Well, w- Wendy and I share a lot of uh, the same sensibilities, and we were just saying again this morning that uh, we're both really influenced by people like Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton, and that kind of physical comedy and the way that they also use choreography. They were not only great clowns, but great 
choreographers and dancers, really, when you watch them. So um, the work that I've been doing uh, is really coming out of that tradition, and it's blending clown and choreography together. All right, so Freshly Tossed, it's October 1st, um, and where, where's that playing? At the theater at St. Clement's. Okay, so one night, everybody needs to mark their calendars. Night and only. Catch it. That's right. Get your Let's tickets. People right. who missed school days last year missed out on a treat, so. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking about doing an excerpt from it. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but like I said, I'm going to be doing Supernovas, which has actually been presented a couple times this past year, and we won a Golden Nose Award for it. I've now been officially inducted into the clown world, which I love. <laughs> and I just got the okay from DreamWorks to use a section of one of their films. So it'll be a new piece that I'll be premiering called Blue. All right. Well, thanks so much, Wendy Sabe and Mark Lonigan for stopping by. And best of luck with Freshly Tossed and all the other endeavors and, uh, and choreographing puppets, etc. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Stepped out of the booth and informed me that I've been grossly mispronouncing her name is Wendy Sibe is what it should be, and I apologize for that. <laughs> All right? Have fun, you guys. On the boards. The Grimm fairy tales have been a source for much entertainment, musical theater, film, books over the years, and we've got a new interpretation of that in Nymph this year with the Cousins Grimm. We have the librettist t- Ted Sod and actor Randy Red here with us today. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. How are you, Michael? Good. Why don't you introduce yourselves so they can connect the voice with the name? This Ted. is Ted. <laughs> Ted's turning his phone off right now. So. Yes, because I don't want it to ring. Okay, there we go. <laughs> and I'm Randy Red. So first off, I guess tell us a little bit about what what your take on Grimm is with this musical. Well, this piece started um, really because I read all the Grimm stories. And um, at first I was going to make them Manhattan-based, which they still are. And it was going to be called Manhattan Grimm's. But then I realized um, it might be better to do them as gay Grimm's. And then it became gay and lesbian Grimm's. Hold on, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) And so... um, this piece really uh, is, has become, because my collaborators, Dan Martin and Michael Biello uh, and myself, really didn't want to do just a series of stories. We didn't want it to be um, a review. So we created a, a, a book around the stories. So it's working on a number of different levels. It's um, four of the stories have been queered up, but... Uh, simultaneously, it's a story about the cousins. Now, what do you mean by queered up? Queered up? <laughs> queered up? How do you queer up a fairy tale? Uh, <laughs> instead, of, instead of the prince being the Could princess. you queer that up, Ted? Yeah. I'll queer it up. Uh, instead of the prince meeting the princess, the prince meets the prince, or the princess meets the princess. In both cases, we have this happening. Um, but it's all contemporized. Mm-hmm. It's all made contemporary. So there are contemporary references. For us, the real meat of it is about the Cousins Grimm, who are the descendants of Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm, Leon and Jackie. And Leon has not been very successful as a writer-actor. Jackie, on the other hand, is a downtown performance artist who has been successful, composer-lyricist. Leon pursues her, and she sort of impetuously says, I'll do it, and then the story takes off from there. And there are a lot of changes and surprises and magic, and the whole piece becomes a fairy tale at one point. 
All right, well, this sounds like a good point to check out the first song that we're going to play from your demo. Uh, you want to set this up and tell us a little bit about it? Randy, would you like to do that? This is Come Closer. And <laughs> Randy's uh, performing this with the wonderful Devin Richards. Um, and this demo was recorded before you even started yes, rehearsing, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, this, I guess, is the first of the stories that they tell. Uh, it's the Frog Prince, which I guess for me was the only... Really, the only one that I knew was a Grimm's fairy tale. Um, but it's, you know, it's the story that we all know that uh, the guy, you know, well, you kiss a toad and you got a prince. But in this case, it's uh, uh, Leon kisses a toad and finds his prince. One kiss and you and your Blackberry will be reunited and live happily ever after. Blackberry for a kiss? You're a toad. I beg your pardon? I said I would never consider it because you're a toad. I'm not the most attractive fellow, but I'm honest, not your classic beauty, but I'm kind, not anything you ever wished or hoped for, most likely I'm not even close to the last thing on your mind. I'm not your ideal Chelsea boy, but I'm friendly, a smile when you look my way, not cute or handsome, tanned or tall, not tall at all. In fact, I'm small. Come closer, hold your breath if you must. Look deeper, squint if you have to. Pick me up wet in the palm of your hand. Look in my eyes. Ignore the styes. One kiss and you'll clearly see I am the toad, I mean man for you And you are the man for me You're not my type, get it? You're fat and ugly, your skin is green, shall I go on? You're out of style, your breath I'm is... I'm fat, I'm green, I know, I know, I know. My breath is foul, I know. I'm ugly, disgusting, I know, I know. I've seen myself and you've told me so. I'm not the type you think you like. But I'm thoughtful, a gentleman, the kind who opens doors. We may seem an unlikely pair, but I'm a prince, I am, I swear. Come closer, hold your breath if you must, look deeper, squint if you have to, I'm kinda cute in a frog kinda way, come on and give it a shot. Ignore the snot One kiss and you'll clearly see I am the toad, I mean man for you And you are the man for me I don't believe in fairy tales or happily ever afters Now go away or I'll call the police You can't be so heartless You're too beautiful to be so mean Kiss me Please! Get off me, man! In a rage, Charles, a member of Metro Gay Wrestlers, wrestled his unwanted suitor to the ground, and a choreographed erotic wrestling ballet ensued. Finally, the slippery, slimy frog freed himself with a man's blackberry in 
blackberry, blackberry brought us together. Blackberry, blackberry, break the spell. Kiss me once, one kiss assures a prince appears. Blackberry's yours. Blackberry, berry, berry, hurry, 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 hurry. Kiss me, kiss me, break the spell. Kiss me once, one kiss assures you'll be mine and I'll be yours. The frog, using the blackberry as seductive icon, hypnotically lured the man into one quick kiss. And instantly, the frog was transformed into a very handsome fellow. Oh my god. How did you do that? You changed into a... You really are. Come closer. Fairy tales do come true. Look deeper. My blackberry and two, two men in love, love like never before. It's you, my dear, dear, it's you I adore. Flying so high, flying high on a cloud. Did I mention I'm well endowed? One kiss set my heart free. I am the toad, the, the prince for you, and you are the prince for me. You are the prince for me. All right. So, uh, Randy, what was it that attracted you to this show? A job. Uh, <laughs> we pay you so much. <laughs> right? Yes. I'll take what I can. <laughs> um, I, I just found it so interesting. I mean, Leon is this guy who I guess like the rest of us just wants to, you know, leave his mark. And he's willing to make, you know, uh, the ultimate sacrifice to do it. Um, and I think we all kind of have that, especially anybody who's, you know, in, in you know, in doing what we're doing, so in, in this case, a musical theater and a guy writing musical theater, um, and uh, has this you know kind of fantastic trippy opportunity to uh, to do that, to like tell his story and to get it out there. Um, so I found that very interesting. And these guys have written such such a wild book, and I get to play like God. Well, you just told me I'm in the new script. I'm playing a bipolar homeless fairy. Um, so, uh, how many chances do you get to do that? But I really get to play like uh, a half dozen or more, you know, characters from these stories. That he, Leon, Leon the uh, the writer in this thing, uh, gets to participate in his own story. So, uh, I found that really, really interesting. And also, Michael Bush um, is a really good friend of mine and a fantastic director. Um, so, I was excited to get to work with Michael again. Randy, you know, is kind of like the bottom. Uh, mm-hmm. midsum- in Midsummer, he wants oh. to play the character. Oops, that didn't come out right. That didn't come out right. But he, he plays. He's like the character bottom. <laughs> Could you queer that up, Ted? <laughs> oh Thanks. my God. Uh, anyway, he's like the character bottom in Midsummer, in that Leon wants to play everything. And that's he, Shakespeare. And he, that's Shakespeare. Yes, and he, and he does. He does. I'm not comparing myself to Shakespeare, but you know what I mean. My God, I just mangled that. <laughs> but maybe we'll get more people showing up. Carry on. <laughs> and before the interview started, you mentioned that you modeled his character after yourself. Well, you know, I'm one of these guys that's been working in the musical theater forever. And, um, 
you know, it's it's I, I've never gotten the fame and fortune that I wish I had, but but I haven't given up, and neither has Leon. Oh, uh, and and in fact, I I can't sing a note, but but I have invested a lot of my own desires and passions, and I hope humor in this character. And Randy is just marvelous. He's he's wonderful. He's versatile in terms of every character he's asked to play, and he's always <laughs> stop there. Using these terms. <laughs> Well, I can't help it if, if the culture has appropriated these terms. Keep going. All right. Keep so, going. So. All right. Well, why don't we listen to the next song now from the demo? Shall I set this one up? Yeah. Um, the marvelous Heidi Blickenstaff, who's going to be in The Little Mermaid, uh, sings. And she uh, was also in uh, Tyler's show, right? Absolutely. Uh, she, she sings on the demo a song called The Kiss. Um, she plays Jackie, the other cousin. And. Uh, she basically falls in love with the character that she creates. And this sort of leads her to that point, this song. Let's take a listen. There is no antidote, but you do have the power to wake her. How? Tell me, tell me this instant. That is all I must say. Dearest one, please come back to me. I have the power, death tells me the power to bring you back to life where do i find it this powerful potion what could it be let's see if i were a prince in search of a princess and found my princess in a dark dark sleep I'd hold her close with all my love and kiss her. If I were a lord in search of a lady and found my lady under a spell, I'd hold her close with all my love and kiss. And I kiss you, and you wake 
So let's get to some of the details. Like, what is the starting and end date of the production? Where can they go see it, etc.? All right, <laughs> we are a developmental reading, and we have two performances on September twenty fourth at the Forty Fifth Street Theater, which is between Eighth uh, and Ninth Avenues, and um, we have a four thirty performance and an eight o'clock performance on the twenty fourth, which is a Monday. And you can get tickets by going onto Nymph's website, or and they also have a number you can call. I wish I had it memorized. I'm sure you can help me out with that. <laughs> um, after September 1st. All right. Well, uh, Ted and Randy, I thank you so much for coming down and talking about the Cousins Grimm. Wish Absolutely. you the best of luck with it. Thanks. And uh, find out how many more terms get misconstrued over. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Michael. Okay, thanks. Top of the trades. And you just may have heard it here first. Stephanie J. Block is joining Wicked along with Annalie Ashford starting October 9th. Wicked is performed at the Gershwin Theater, 222 West 51st Street between Broadway and 8th Avenue. Tickets are available through Ticketmaster. For more information, visit www.wickedthemusical.com. The new Stephen Sondheim musical review, Being Alive, is set to open Philadelphia Theatre Company's 0708 season. Conceived and directed by award-winning musical theatre performer Billy Porter, Being Alive blends the songs of Stephen Sondheim with the poetry of William Shakespeare to tell the universal story of man's seven ages in African-American musical idioms, including soul, jazz, blues, R&B, hip-hop, and gospel. Featuring such songs as Anyone Can Whistle, Send in the Clowns, Pretty Woman, Children Will Listen, and Being Alive. For more information about the show and the rest of the season, visit 
www.philadelphiatheatercompany.org. The eight-time Tony Award-winning musical Spring Awakening has recouped its six million capitalization. Variety reports that strong summer sales help the show's return rate, and producer Ira Pittleman says the musical has an advance between 3.5 and 4 million. For more information and tickets, visit www.springawakening.com. Eve Best, who was nominated for a Tony Award last season for her Broadway bow in the Kevin Spacey revival of A Moon for the Misbegotten, will return to Broadway, joining the cast of the upcoming revival of Harold Pinter's The Homecoming. She will be co-starring with Ian McShane, Raul Esparza, and Michael McKeon. Daniel Sullivan will direct the 20-week limited engagement, which will run through April 13, 2008. Dolly Parton told Los Angeles radio listeners August 28th that 9 to 5, the new musical for which she has penned songs, will open on Broadway in spring of 2009. Top of the Trades is sponsored by BroadwayWorld.com. Visit BroadwayWorld.com for all the latest in theater news and for community. Curtain call. Well, I haven't heard about any specific closings this week, so I wanted to take a moment and thank, thank my fantastic, hardworking crew of interns. I've been crazy busy doing a lot of recording and album projects and Nymph and organizing this, and I have to say, this would not be getting done without their wonderful help and input. So special thanks to Amanda Hutt, John Delamar, Maria Sermonia, Deborah Blumenthal, Hallie Parsonet, and Karen Marshall. You guys are fantastic, and thank you so much. We're going to be back next week with Volume 3 of our Nymph coverage. Going to hear a lot more great songs and stories from fresh, up-and-coming musicals of tomorrow. Remember, if you're wanting information on any of the shows we talked about, you can visit nymf.org, or you can find our show notes at broadwaybullet.com, Volume 126. I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and thanks for hopping on board the Broadway Bullet. Actually, the barfait thing comes from my whole life. People just going vulture, boggler. So it didn't take much, though, when he um, proposed. I said yes. It's fun to know that those lines will stay in the show when other actors do it in the future. The hairs went up on the back of my neck. It was a thrilling moment. with the audience and explore them a little bit. So, a little more about our brand new theater and business arts major. I know what most theater programs are like, and I've talked to thousands of artists. All of this told me that a new style of theater major was needed. Theater majors can get a pretty good arts education just about anywhere, but most programs do very little to prepare actors, directors, playwrights, technicians, producers, etc., to manage their careers. When you go into the arts, you are your own business, and you need to manage that to strategically plan for your career to grow. If you've listened to many of these interviews, you know you need to be self-starters to create your own opportunities. I'm going to make sure you are ready for that world. You'll get a ton of opportunities as an undergraduate. Actors will act, even as freshmen. Designers will design shows right away. Playwrights will see their shows mounted. Directors will direct. 
Producers will handle shows from inception to execution. Outstanding guest artists will conduct workshops, and outstanding students will even work on this podcast and travel to New York with me for interview weeks. And if that isn't enough, we've got an amazing program that will pay all or part of your student loan payments, even private loans if you are earning less than $40,000 six months after graduation. That is an invaluable option that lets you pursue your passion in theater with less financial pressure. If interested, and I hope you are, go to broadwaybullet.com. I'd love to help you launch your career.